Welcome to the show. I'm Tosh Taylor. And I'm Jenna Morton. And today in studio with us, we have a fantastic guest. We have a teacher and an author joining us today, Tosh. I cannot wait to hear more of Ivana Fogarty's story. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us first a little bit about being a new author. You have a book in front of you. Tell us a little bit about it. I never thought I would have a book, um, <laughs> but I do now. Um, it feels really good to finally complete a project that was in the making for a long time. And I have to say that it actually didn't start as, the intention wasn't to start a book, the intention was to start a memoir for my children and my siblings' children, um, a story that my grandmother told and retold many times. But once the project was on the way, there are so many people that got invested and involved that it just kind of took off life on its own and became a book. And so the book is really the story of your grandparents. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about your grandparents? Okay. Well, I grew up uh, knowing that my, I have a twin sister and a brother, and we, um, we knew our grandparents were kind of special from the time we were very little, even though we didn't know their story. And it wasn't until we were 11 or 12 that my grandmother started to talk about the hardship that went through in World War II. Um, and then my grandfather passed away when I was in grade 11, and it kind of freed her story. Um, my grandparents were of Jewish descent. Um, they lost everybody in the Holocaust to the concentration camps. To sum it up, my grandmother, um, they went into hiding, literally underground, buried in a, in a hole in the ground that they dug themselves. Um, went into hiding in October of 1945 and curled out when the war ended uh, in May 1945, or March 1945. And my grandmother was pregnant the whole time. My uncle was born um, June of that year, and my mom was two years younger than that. So we grew up listening to all the stories that my grandmother had the bravery to, to say. And uh, when our children were born, everybody kind of listened, and I knew we pained my mother, grandmother to talk about it, but uh, we kind of hung on every word. And we always asked questions. And then the more she talked, the mom and I, my mom and I were like, we should write that down someday. Mm -hmm. We should write that down someday. And then it wasn't until she passed away that we kind of said, okay, it's enough. Let's, let's start typing. And so she started to write the Slovak version. I, I'm writing the English version. And then, and then things happened along the way that just kind of made the project come to this. It's kind of amazing. People got involved. A historian read the book. We found more artifacts after my grandmother passed away to kind of build the story up. Because my grandmother, when they were in hiding that last year of war, um, they were in the dark, in the cellar, uh, in the in the hole, and they couldn't tell time. They 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 couldn't tell Monday from a Friday. They couldn't. They had very little food, and um, so she had very little kind of benchmarks to say if it was. December, November, January, she could tell if it was cold, if it rained, if it snowed, how hungry they were, and without noise, not moving. And then as we were writing this, um, my mom received a diary from a friend of a friend who knew that this was in the making. And the diary was written by a, a local priest who kind of recorded everything that went on that winter unbeknownst to us we didn't know this person but the diary made its way to our house and it chronolo like it, it it told chronologically all the events of that winter how many germans were there how many people were caught and it just made the story so much more um so much more it gave that 
ladder to the memories that the time that she she couldn't keep track of. And then um, my mom knew a historian. She sent it off to just check it if you want to. He did. He got involved. He wrote a preface to it, um, just kind of a history of the Holocaust in Slovakia. And then we got it all pictures and and family mementos, and it became a story. One very, very amazing thing happened at the very end of our writing, which kind of made its way to the book, is my grandmother shared a lot of all her photos and letters and correspondence she had with her family. And we always were ready to touch it. She would have a tickle trunk that she had um, shared with us. And then uh, when she passed away, uh, she had this oak desk in her in her room, and we tried to get it out of the room, and we wouldn't fit through the door, so we took it apart, and we found a letter, a letter that uh, was never seen, never touched, never talked about. It was a letter that was written by her 16-year-old sister, uh, who died in, she, my grandmother lost everyone, uh, including her 16-year-old sister, um, and it was a response. It, we, we read the letter, and we were astounded. We never heard her voice. I've heard my grandmother speak of her. But I never actually heard her voice. I never had her words in front of me. And it was a, it was seen to be an answer to something my grandmother must have suggested, which is go marry someone outside your faith so that you don't have to go, to, that you don't get deported. And in this letter, my 16 year old, the younger sister of my grandmother apologizes to my grandmother for not being able to do it, for not being marrying outside of faith, for not marrying just without love. And it's like this hand frank documentary of the 16-year-old who writes this letter six days before she's deported to the concentration camp. And we never knew about this letter. And I think that was the letter that paved the way to my grandmother's sort of sense of guilt over not over being the only one that survived. She never once mentioned it, never ever. But when the historian read it, he said her voice needs to be in the book. Her And her name was Alice, just like my mom. My mom was named after her. And so we kind of like we didn't know how to finish the book, and then, and then at the end of the book, my mom writes a letter to her, the letter that my grandmother was never able to respond to. So that that letter, when we found it, it was like, well, now it's kind of growing and um, made itself quite the quite a emotional piece. Um, my grandfather was also the youngest of twelve. Um, he lost most everyone except for two other siblings um, to concentration camps. His father was arrested in front of his eyes. And uh, so we grew up knowing very little of this. And then when my children are growing up, they ask questions and questions. And I think it's their impatience that was like, you've got to finish that book. You've got to finish that book. And, and anyway, uh, mom finished the Slovak version, I, her and I said, and I finished the English version. And then it became a book. Incredible. It was a very, very uh, personal journey to be able to just sit here in her words in my mind and in my um, in my memory as close as I could remember it. I don't know about you, but I have goosebumps. I do. <laughs> I, do. I have I, several yeah. times I felt that like yeah. Oh, what a and, journey! And I do have to say that the most that that this is a testament to not only my grandparents and their their bravery and their faith in survival, but also to a lot of people who mm -hmm. helped them. Because during the war, if you were not Jewish, helping a Jewish person uh, was punishable by law and death. But there are a lot of strangers who have helped my parent, grandparents along the way. 
by hiding them, by not betraying them, by giving them food. Um, and they are, they are in the book, they're mentioned, they are revered in our family. And when I was growing up, I actually remember meeting these people. We used to go there, visit, they, they stayed friends after the war. But I thought they were related. I didn't actually know the connections until much later, until I looked into the book. So I'm glad to have met at least their descendants, their sons and daughters, or grandchildren. What an incredible mm -hmm. tribute mm -hmm. to your grandparents' legacy yeah. for you and your mom to, to be able to put this together. It, it is written for our it is written for our children. My my mother writes it for the grandkids because when she was growing up she didn't have grandparents mm -hmm. and she always felt the loss of them and she wasn't a jealous person but when she was uh, in school and kids would say I am going to hang out with my grandparents for the weekend she never had extended family so once the kids my kids and my siblings and my were born you know she became a grandmother and, and knew what she kind of had lost so she wrote it to them and we wrote it to them um, sort of kind of like as, as a it, it is dedicated to, to the grandkids but I'm also a teacher and um, I have a I have a platform to share stories and teach kids not just about the story but about the Holocaust about humanity I always ask myself you know if I was in that position um, what would I do would I when somebody comes knocking at my door in the middle of the night and uh, helping them is life or death situation what would I do and I also think about my grandmother in a way that it helps my life because when when she has gone through all of this and came out of it at the end of the war she was the most gentle loving forgiving person I've ever met and she had all the right to be bitter mm -hmm. and angry and missing her mom and dad and everyone but she wasn't and I feel like if she has got through this I can get through anything that's my that that's what the story gives me is if she could do this I can do anything I think that's exactly, like, sounds to me exactly what she would want you yeah. to get out of yeah. it as well. Yeah. The connection between Slovakia and mm -hmm. the war, mm -hmm. I did not, mm -hmm. like, I didn't know. So here we know a lot about World War II, but World War II was fought in Europe. Mm -hmm. That's where that's where the de devastation was, that's where the huge loss of life, especially civilian, um, was. And um, part of the story that the historian adds to it is the history of the Slovak Holocaust where the Slovak state was actually a belonging or under Nazi rule in a sense that it was a Slovak government that was a fascist government and they followed Nazi Nazi laws, Hitler's laws, and deported over 70,000 Jews on their own dollar and actually in this book the thing that that is amazing is that Almost, there were over 100,000 Jews in Slovakia before World War II, 70,000 of which died in concentration camps. So they wiped out the population of Jews pretty much entirely. And those that survived, survived like my grandparents. And most of them moved away after the war. And actually my grandfather's sibling moved to Australia, and we have extended family there now, but my grandmother didn't want to move away because she hoped that somebody would come back at some point. Oh. And so they, that was one of the things that she used to say was, you know, I, was, I had fantasized of somebody coming back. And that's why they stayed. Mm -hmm. But build a great life. Uh, but Slovakia has that history that it, it, uh, it followed Nazi rules. It was part of the final solution where, you know, Jews were supposed to be wiped out from the face of Europe and a lot of them suffered the same fate. 
So you grew up in that area. Yeah. How did that play out in your lifetime? What What was the feeling like? Because I think that's a part of the puzzle that we don't talk mm-hmm. a lot about. Yeah. Is how how that reverberates. Um, well, I think I think the first thing that I will say is that there are artifacts, and still, like the countryside is marked by the past uh, memorials. Um, maybe war perfumant, like I grew up in a neighborhood where we had a World War II tank and World War II plane. And so you walk around the neighborhood knowing that these are the monuments to, to the place, but also in the people. It's in the people. My mom is a post for a child, um, but her parents remembered. And so we grew up, my grandparents grew up in a way that they didn't waste anything. You could not waste food in my house. You could not be cold. Slippers, sweaters, eat, eat more, don't throw away food, don't put anything on your plate that you cannot eat. Save water, save everything, make everything from scratch. Um, that's, and we knew that was part of our upbringing, but it didn't make sense or didn't give value until much, much later. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandmother was an amazing soup maker. And um, every single day that I went to school, my grandmother would ask, what kind of soup do you want when you get home? And we did get the best of everything she ever made. But I understood that when she came out of hiding and she was eight and a half months pregnant and it was, she described herself as she was described as a spider, skinny, 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 big belly. Um, there were people that didn't think the baby was going to live. The first thing she ate was a warm bowl of soup. And uh, so we grew up with these little, that's how that played out in our lives. I don't like today. I teach my kids, I teach my students, don't throw out food. It's a sin. <laughs> respect your elders, talk to your grandparents, talk to your father, talk to your mother, what's their story? That is my interest with my students is I just, I'm interested in people's stories. Well, and it is, there's so many stories and every person's story Mm -hmm. has something Mm -hmm. that we can learn from. And I think there's so, we're so lucky Mm -hmm. to have you decide to live here Mm -hmm. and to bring this story to the children you teach Mm -hmm. and the people that you get to meet. Because I think that's such an important part of that is to, to move these stories around. Yeah, and way. share them. Yeah, and share them. Um, I have students who bought it. I have parents of students who bought it. I have friends who bought it. And most of what I get is the, what I love about the book, um, and I love it because, <laughs> but um, is that it's not a history textbook. It's not, uh, it's not just a memoir. It's a blend of both. Um, but in the end, it's very, very personal. If you were to read it, it is a very personal testament. Um, and, uh, and a lot of people learn about history, about things that they might not know. Um, and I, one of the things that I actually um, used to think about when the book was being finalized uh, is that if nobody would ever like the book, uh, the tickle trunk I mentioned before, my grandmother had all those things. She actually wanted to get buried with it. She wanted to burn all the letters and that was gonna be her end. She was, she was gonna just hold on to it. And my mother and, and my, uncle, her brother, had a very hard time convincing her not to, um, especially the letter, um, the sister's letter. And eventually we convinced her, I said, this is for us, this is for the kids, this is for the grandkids. And then the tickle trunk came, when they passed away, became my mother's, and my mother held on to it really tight as well. But when the historian got a hold of it, he's like, we need to archive this. Mm-hmm. So the tickle trunk is now part of the National Archives. Um, her story is archived as national heritage. So if anything, the stories, what we need to learn, if, if, if nobody ever likes the book, the fact that her story is significant enough to be part of national heritage, that is special.
That is incredibly yeah. special. You know, we don't ask the questions. Mm-hmm. Like I can think my, my dad's mm-hmm. mom mm-hmm. passed away a few years ago. And after I thought like, I should, I never asked her anything. Mm-hmm. I never asked her anything. You know what I mean? Like her mm-hmm. mom was right from Ireland. Mm-hmm. Like there had to be some cool there stories. There had to be like, stories. Like, yeah, yes. there had to yeah. be stories. And I got, when she passed away, a Rubbermaid container mm-hmm. full of photos. I don't know who anybody is. Yeah. I have no idea because I never asked the questions. Mm-hmm. And now I'm kicking myself you know, mm-hmm. years later, because I didn't ask. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we this should is, all be this, saying. Th- there's so many interesting th- things that when you were saying this that are happening, as the story was being published, I went to school with a friend, um, he from kindergarten to grade eight, he was one of the quietest boys in class, didn't quite know him all that well. But he's the kid that remembered everything about everyone. And we had a reunion a couple of years ago when this was actually when I was home finalizing the book a couple of years ago. And uh, we sat side by side. And I had a little, I had a little chat about what are you doing back home? What are you? And I was like, I'm writing a book about my grandparents. And then he says, You know what? I had a grandfather, and I never talked to him. He's now dead, and I know he had a really cool story. I said, Oh yeah, what did he do? Well, he wrote a diary about the war. I was like, Did he really? Well, it was the diary that was in no. this book. And it dawned on me after years and years of knowing this boy that he's actually named after him. His first and last name are the same. And I was like. Are you telling me that I went to school with you for 14 years and I did not know this? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, and and to that point, there are so many other people's stories yeah. who are that are in your book now, and mm-hmm. I think it's it's fascinating as adults that we start mm-hmm. to understand those other lives mm-hmm. that our parents and grandparents had. Mm-hmm. That there are people that have entirely different stories about mm-hmm. them. That mm-hmm. yeah, if we don't start asking those questions, yeah. you don't find out. Like, Ask mm-hmm. the questions. I know. Uh, I know most of this is written from what I, my grandmother said. Mm-hmm. My grandfather never talked about it. Never once, never one word, never anything at all. I don't know why a lot of people who went through that trauma don't, but I wish he had. Mm-hmm. I wish he had. I would love to know what it was like for him. I know what it was like for her mm-hmm. and for them together from what she saw, but I would have loved to know what it was like for him. How, yeah. how many years were they married? Uh, they were married just before the war, I think in 1941 uh, or 40, 39, just before the war or at the beginning. And they stayed together till the end of their lives. So um, they met on the train. Um, they were commuting, kind of love at first sight. That's a family story, <laughs> kind of cute. Um, yeah, and they remained married. Yeah, yeah. that's incredible. Like, and, and, and you know what I mean? Like to go through that together mm-hmm. with somebody and to be growing a child mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. I she can was imagine very, the connection. very hungry. I bet. She used I... to say that she would eat nails if she had them. Oh, goodness. Yeah. 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 I can't even imagine. I was the happiest when I was with them. We spent so much time with my grandparents. We grew, grew up very close to them. And uh, they had like my best memories to childhood go to them. And I kind of know that we made them happy. Yeah. That the grandkids, like my brother and my cousin and, and my sister, we just made them so happy. We gave them everything they lost. And that's an incredible feeling. It is. Yeah, I mean, life is hard sometimes. You beat yourself up over all kinds of things. But my grandmother loved me. Yeah. 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 What it, a perspective. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a lot of time to think about it. I didn't just come here to, you know, a lot of time to think. Yeah. But it's fantastic. It's it's so important for people to hear that mm. part of the story as well, yeah. right? It's not just about telling their story. Mm-hmm. It's your mother's story and your story and, mm-hmm. and how that trickles down. Yeah, and it's life. also the story, like, I, I do truly believe in the historian who said, like, if it wasn't for that letter, if it wasn't for him suggesting, put her in the letter. Um, 
put her in the book, her letter in the book, and uh, just it became her story too. She cannot be forgotten either. He actually uses some of her writing in his lectures. He lectures on the Holocaust quite a bit, and uh, so her part becomes becomes a memory that is preserved as well. Um, she died in Sobibor, which is one of the uh, concentration camps in in Ukraine, and it wasn't as big as Auschwitz, which is the most well-known, but it was very deadly. Um, it had almost no survival uh, rate. As Auschwitz had like 15%, Sobibor had none, or 1%. Most, most prisoners who went to Sobibor um, were actually presumed dead on the day of arrival, because they had it wasn't even a labor camp, it was just a death camp. Right. And I remember the name being spoken in my house when I was growing up, and I think my mom and my grandmother actually went there um, once when I was young. Um, but yeah, it's about her story as well. And to think, if you hadn't been able to get that chest through the mm -hmm. door, you would have never found it. We would have never, <laughs> never found, found it. it. And what was amazing was how carefully it was hidden. It was just like, it was never meant to be seen or found. Yeah. Probably because your grandmother thought she was telling her sister mm -hmm. to do something wrong, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and just to protect her. But yeah. something these days, but, you wouldn't find that. Mm -hmm. But back then, <laughs> yeah. oh my goodness. And you yeah. know, my daughter is 16 now. Mm -hmm. And she just finished the book a little while ago. And uh, I was just one, like I've talked about, she she finished it and she texted me right away and said, I have questions, mom. <laughs> <laughs> so we are yet to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> That must be one of the best feelings, though, to have your mm -hmm. daughter say, mm -hmm. I have questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. Like, it's their legacy as well. And um, my job is to present it to them and what they do with that, where they go with that, how they carry that through life is up to them. Yeah. yeah. Letting everyone know, now mm -hmm. that they've heard about this amazing story, how they can get a copy to read it. Um, I, can, I can provide you with the website and a link that it can be purchased online. Um, I am working on, uh, this just came out in the fall. Okay. Um, so I'm working on having a distributor here in North America because it's published by a small company or by a small museum in in Slovakia. So I will leave you with a with a, you can post your podcast. Yeah, we'll share it. Yeah, it's not easy to say. Yeah, we'll share it online. Yeah. And thank you for having me. Oh my goodness! I never deny opportunity to share this. Yeah. Oh, I'm just I am thrilled that someone else put you in my path <laughs> to tell this story because it's just simply amazing, and I'm so. I'm so grateful that we have you here in New Brunswick Thank you. to help tell the story and, and carry it on here as well. So we will share those links uh, in the show notes and you can find them on the website. And Or you can just Google The Love I yeah. Lost and I'm Anna Fogarty's name and it pops up pretty easily. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thank you for watching and listening to the show today. And thank you so much for thank being you. our guest. Thanks for having me.